Hey, my fellow monkeys, what's up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you on the Armed Ape Podcast, the show where we review and talk about everything from guns, gear, and movies to life in general. Nothing is ever out of bounds. As always, everything we talk about has the end goal of making our lives better by cutting through all the marketing BS using logic, reason, and honest discussions. I look forward to hearing from you soon and to your participation in the show. Well, hello, everybody. How are my beautiful monkeys and my fellow travelers doing? Today is Sunday. It is the 24th of April, 2022, and it's been a little bit of time since I've been able to put out a show. I think the last show was way back in January, I think the middle of January. So it's been eh, a few months. Anyway, And on that last show, I think we did a review of Fat Man and a Hulu movie called Mother Android. So on today's show, what we're going to be talking about, I thought about comparing it with maybe two movies, but I think what I'm going to do is just do this show on Three from Hell, which was the Rob Zombie movie. And that will kind of finish up maybe the trilogy of those. And then um, I was going to compare it to The Kingsman trilogies and the the latest movie uh, which was called The King's Man but I think I'll do that on the next show. But before we jump in with that, so again what we're going to do is we will do 3 from Hell and that was a 2019 movie. It is I think was that thing to almost 2 hours long. Anyway, we'll we'll get into all this stuff here in uh, in a little bit. But before we do that, let's go ahead and get our contact info posted. And there is a bunch of different ways that you can contact me. I do have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731 or 206-745, the letters APE, 1. There is also the email address, which is thearmedape at gmail.com. All one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. And if you wanted to record your own audio or if you want to write out an email and I'll read it for you on the show, I'd be more than happy to do that. With the voicemail, you are limited to about 90 seconds. The quality is decent, but it's never going to be as good as even something that you just record on your phone and go ahead and send in to me that way. If you go over to the website, which is thearmedape.com, You'll find all my social media stuff, so I've got Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram is over there. I have, kind of speaking of new, maybe social media, and I'll have to try and get a link up to it as well. I have got a new, what would we call it, Uh, video hosting service or whatever. It's called Rumble, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with. I really like it. I think uh, hopefully it'll be something kind of like what YouTube used to be. Right now it's relatively small, but it's pretty easy, especially if you're a person that wants to do your videos. 
Anyway, like I said, I know a lot of you guys have gone over and subscribed to my channel, which is Every Blade of Grass. That's over on YouTube. On Rumble, I think, and this is funny, I think years ago, or a couple years ago when it first started, I went and put as a placeholder the um, Every Blade of Grass channel, thinking, if oh, if this takes off or something, or I can always maybe just shove some videos over here to... Uh, in, you know, in case YouTube just says, well, we're not going to have anything. If you have any videos that have anything to do with firearms at all, you're done. We're kicking you off the platform. Which I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them maybe to do that coming up here relatively soon. Anyway, so I went over to Rumble and I, I think I put a placeholder for the channel because I've got every blade of grass and I do it like I do it for the first letter. It's all one word, but the first letter of every word is capitalized. So I did a quick check over there and I found that there was a, a channel over there. Of course, it had no videos. And I, like I said, I think it was mine. I, I, di I didn't write down the password or if I did, I didn't. I didn't have it in a place where I can find it anymore. And I put, I plugged in all my email addresses that, I've, that I have and none of them come back because it says, you know, oh, okay, you know, put in your email and we'll will help you reset your password. So anyway, my new channel over there is called The Squeaky Wheel. What I'll try and do is I'll put a uh, a rumble, maybe icon or something like that, that will take you over there and you can check stuff out. I still want to keep the YouTube thing going, but what I am going to do is any videos that are maybe kind of questionable as far as their guidelines I am going to move those over to Rumble, and Rumble and YouTube basically are going to be mirror images, except, or I should say, with the exception that Rumble will have all my gun stuff. So all the stuff that I'm going to do tutorials on, or uh, you know, if I if I want to show you guys, oh, this is how you uh, like my my AK uh, 47 project videos that I did. I'm going to probably kick those off of YouTube. I think they get kind of shadow banned because a lot of my other videos are doing way better. Uh, but anyway, that's enough of that stuff. So if you, again, if you go over to thearmedape.com, you'll find buttons for all my social media stuff. If you would ever want to feed the old uh, gorilla here some bananas, there is a PayPal donation button and you can just click on that and follow the on-screen prompts. Uh, other than that, that is it. Um, also, you'll always be able to find all, any past episodes or anything like that that I've done. All that stuff will, uh, going way back to August of 2008, is up there. So basically, kind of 12 years worth of content. Uh, although not 12 years worth of shows, I guess I should say that if I was doing a weekly show. But anyway, I'm kind of rambling on. Let's get back and let's start talking a little bit about Three from Hell. Now, earlier I had said that it was a trilogy uh, from Rob Zombie, and the first movie was House of a Thousand Corpses, the next movie was The Devil's Rejects, and then the, the final one here is Three from Hell. And then along the way, he's made some other movies, which I think I've talked about pretty much all of them. I think I've talked about Lords of Salem and 31, and uh, I'm not sure kind of off the top of my head, I guess, what stuff maybe he's, other things that he's done. Well, I know he he did some of those Halloween remakes and some of that stuff. 
and I, yeah, there, there were okay. Hmm. I'm trying to think what other stuff that I've seen by him. And I think that's about it for the movies. If you guys know, you know, maybe, maybe uh, call in or, or write in and let me know if you, if there's anything that you think that I should watch, maybe that I haven't watched. Uh, and I did do a review on the Lords of Salem, which I was sort of up and down with a little bit. I thought that that had a lot of potential. So let's talk about this movie here, which is Three from Hell. We'll talk about the story here in a little bit, but it is a continuation. Sort of, I guess, the real world maybe kind of coming in. The, the actor, Sid Haig, who was uh, real popular in the 70s and when lots of, he was in lots of, uh, you'd either call him maybe Grindhouse or exploitation type movies, but you would sort of, you would know him if you saw him. You'd be like, oh, what's that guy? And Sid Haig, his character was Captain Spaulding. In real life, Sid Haig was very ill at the time of filming. You can tell that he does not look good. He does not look well. Uh, and and this is one of the things that I thought was kind of cool is that I think he was like, oh, you know, I know I don't look so great, but we can use that. And so in the movie, they sort of use the fact that he he does not look good. And I think he passed away maybe prior to the, the movie being released. Um, I know he died in... September of 2019. I'm looking it up here. So, and I all I, do, I don't know the exact date when this was released. I do know it was released in 2019, but I'm not exactly sure when. But so I don't know if he got to actually maybe see the final version of the movie or or not. It would have been kind of cool if he did. But anyway, the story of the movie is that it is, a, like I said before, it's a continuation of The Devil's Rejects. And at the end of The Devil's Rejects, and this will be a little bit of a spoiler for that, they basically come upon a police uh, roadblock, and, and they have a sort of almost like a Bonnie and Clyde-style shootout where they're waiting for them, and they just fill them full of holes. So... And that's how that movie ends, which actually I thought was a, a relatively decent ending for that. In this one, what has happened is they it, the, the movie opens up and it basically says, even though these people kind of tried to drive through the police roadblock and they were shot numerous times, none of their vital organs or anything were hit. So their, you know, their heart didn't explode or they didn't get shot in the head or anything like that. And the end of that movie of The Devil's Rejects is supposed to take place, I believe, in maybe 1977, maybe 78. And what we're told in the in the uh, in the movie there's a newscaster and he comes on and he says oh there's this the story is is that they miraculously survived they were all kind of like in medical comas and then they were revived about a year later so it would be around like 78 79 when that happens they end up going to trial their trial is televised and then they become uh, very popular 
or something like that. And then there's a movement like, you know, free the three and all this other stuff. Anyway, one of the things with Sid Haig's character is he ends up getting the death penalty and gets executed. And so that's how they sort of explain him sort of not being in the movie. And and he's only in there uh, for a, a brief time. And most of his scenes, he's just, it's just sort of him talking to the camera. Uh, again, you know, if we look at real life kind of coming in, he, I'm, there's just not a whole lot probably he could have done just because of his illness at the time. I believe that in the, in the, in the story line or in the narrative here is that both Bill Mosley's character and who's Otis and Sherry Moon Zombie's character, who's named Baby, are, were due to be executed. And I think there was enough public outcry to where they didn't. And so they are going to spin, spin, excuse me, I think they've got life, but they may, it may be life with a, a, a possibility of parole or something like that. I don't, I can't remember. A lot of the movie narratively didn't make a lot of sense and wasn't very, you know, super cohesive to me from a, a storytelling aspect. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So basically what we're supposed to believe now is we're told it's been 10 years and they're in prison. And Otis is uh, part of a, I guess, like a chain gang. And so now it's, it's been 10 years later, which means it's about 1998 timeline in the movie. And this is kind of one of the first things that I have a, a little bit of a, maybe a, a not a problem. What do I want to say? Like a nitpick, but it's big. It's bigger than a nitpick, but not quite as big as a problem. It's one of the maybe inconsistencies of the movie is that it's supposed to be 19 by the time our story picks up. It's supposed to be 1989 because remember they went in basically and got sentenced to prison probably in 1979 and so it's and it's 10 years later so it's almost 1990 but everybody in the movie dresses sort of like it's it's still 1978 maybe you know at at the at the latest maybe 1981 or something like that Uh, I remember that there were some like when I was a kid I remember in the early 80s you still had some older people who uh, you know, when I, I just started high school in 1980, so you still had what I would have considered adults who sort of dressed that kind of had sort of that 70s style to them still a little bit. But again, it's supposed to be almost 1990 and not nobody really dressed like that. So I and I think that's one of the, the things of Rob Zombie. I think he's about a year maybe older or younger than me. And so he was sort of a what we'll call a child of the seventies. And so I think he has a, a, a fondness for a lot of the stuff, seventies and some of the stuff eighties as well. Uh, just because that, you know, your childhood is usually what, you know, from your maybe about five years old up until you're 11, maybe 12. And then you're starting to, you sort of at that age kind of cease to be a child so much. You're still a kid, but you're starting to get into your teenage years and your, and your interests and in things are starting to change. But I think he, again gets a lot of nostalgia maybe from that 70s era because that would have been when he would have been you know that that would have been his childhood so anyway like I said uh, the the people are kind of dressed 
odd. I, and I don't know why you would say maybe 10 years unless you wanted to, to account maybe for the aging of the actors. Although, you know, in movies, you really don't have to do that. You can, especially with makeup and digital stuff, you can kind of erase some of that thing. Anyway, the story is we see, uh, and this is going to be another one of the kind of the things that I think is a downside. They spend a lot of time with baby uh, Sherry Moon Zombie's character. And she has all these speeches and she's, and she's kind of sort of going over the top a little bit. And a lot of that stuff could have been cut out. So this movie is basically two hours. It's an hour and 55 minutes. I thought you could have gotten more with less. Uh, I don't think that they, they would have ever really considered parole for her just because of the nature of the crimes and the brutality of the crimes um, that she would have been a part of. So even if you just looked only at the stuff of, the, of what happened in The Devil's Rejects and you didn't consider what happened in House of a Thousand Corpses. Now, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, I think there was only supposed to be maybe a year or maybe two years at most time span in that movie universe. Anyway, they're considering her going to be uh, up for parole, and then she, you know, says, oh, I'm fine, and all this other stuff. And anyway, um, one of the prison guards has it in for her, and of course they're female prison guards, and then they try and set her up and do all this other stuff. And, and you know, normally... How I do with some of the spoilers is I will generally talk about the movie up to a certain point and then I'll say, hey, going on from here, we're going to do spoilers and all this other stuff. But with this one, as an, and as I've done from the past few reviews, you the spoilers of it aren't really going to matter too much. You sort of know going in that... Nothing is really going to happen to him. At least I didn't. I never really expected that they were actually in any type of mortal danger. I knew that Sid Haig's character wasn't really going to be in there. So I thought, well, they're going to kill him off somehow um, just because they're not ever going to be able to bring him back if he wanted to do another movie. So with that, I guess what I'll do is I'll go ahead and we'll just do the spoiler warning now. And then we'll just, everything's going to be fair game. So from a narrative standpoint, the story is relatively simple. What happens is that they have a, I guess it's like a half brother or a stepbrother or something like that, who I think maybe they had the same mom and different dads. Earlier I'd mentioned that Otis is, who's Bill Mosley, Bill Mosley's character, is part of a chain gang. And we see that Danny Trejo kind of uh, reprises his role of the uh, bounty hunter, hired gun type dude that was in Devil's Rejects and that they kind of had a battle with from before. And as they're going out on this chain gang, they're out in the back of the truck and uh, and Otis says, hey, I, I remember you. And then he's like, I don't know you. And he's like, I remember you. And so they're on doing the the working on the road, and then Otis's brother comes up and he attacks the, uh, I guess, prison guards or the deputies, whatever they are, ends up killing those guys and busts out Otis from uh, from that chain gang. And then what they do 
And that, and then at that, at the end of that, he ends up killing Danny Trejo, which comes back a little bit later in the movie. So what they want to do is they say, oh, okay, we need to get baby Sherry Moon Zombie's character out from jail. How are we going to do that? Here again comes that thing of less should have been more. You didn't really need to have all the scenes of Sherry Moon Zombie. And if you cut a bunch of those and just had, I think, kind of quick short scenes with her where you kind of really, sh- you and, and I think you could have shown a little bit better kind of that she's unhinged and that, but that she's also dangerous and that she's, for lack of a better term, what we would call in the movie world, like a capable killer. But again, they just droned on with stuff way too much with her. So they, uh, they go over to the warden's house and they basically take his wife. And then there's a, a guy that the warden works and his, and his wife. So there's the, there's the two couples and they're going to have a birthday party for the warden or something like that. And I don't know if Otis would have known this stuff or this just it just coincides with it. They end up taking the warden and his wife and then the warden's friend, who's the guy he works with, and his wife, they end up taking them hostage. And they say, look, you're going to go, you're going to do whatever you need to do, but you're going to get my sister and you're going to bring her back here. And if you do that, we'll let you guys live. And of course, there's all this other mayhem. So that goes on. They end up doing that and they, you get a, also you get a, um, a kind of a cameo type thing, maybe a little bit more than a cameo from Clint Howard. And he plays this, uh, uh clown that they were going to have come entertain at the, uh, at the birthday party. And of course he ends up getting killed. The warden brings the, uh, ends up getting baby out, brings her back to the house. They, of course, they end up killing him. Then they leave. And what they do is they take the guy who was the party clown. They take his van and they're like, well, why don't they're like, well, what should we do? They're like, well, let's go down to Mexico because the, of course it's, it's uh, it word gets out rather quickly that they have escaped. Also, I guess I should talk about the actor, Richard Brake, B-R-A-K-E, the half-brother of both Otis and Baby. And you would know him. He's been in several uh, Rob Zombie movies. He's been in, he was in uh, The Mandalorian. He's been, so when you see him, you're like, oh, I know that guy. And I also, I think, I don't know if he was in... I don't know if he was in Game of Thrones, but he, and in fact, he was in one of the Kingsman's movie. Like I said, he's been in 31. He was in Doom. He, I'm trying to think some other stuff. Like I said, he was in Mandalorian. I thought, or maybe it was one of those things where it was, um, he was rumored to be in it, but actually wasn't which was uh, Game of Thrones. I thought he was playing one of the, uh, like one of the Night Kings or something like that, but maybe not. I could be mistaken on that. Uh, but if you saw him, you would know him. I guess now's a good, a good enough time to sort of talk about the actual characters of, of the main three, I guess. And again, because Sid Haig had died, you have to get 
another person in to sort of round out the the threesome of you know baby and otis and that's where uh, richard brake's character comes in and i think his name was like the wolfman or something it was some weird which i thought they could have given him a better name than that uh, anyway both bill mosley and richard brake have a on screen, they're they're very good at projecting sort of an on screen menace. Uh, you you get the idea that these guys are unhinged, that they are violent and brutal, but you also get the idea too that even though they're you know maybe complete sociopaths, probably I should have used sociopath instead of unhinged although they are unhinged, but I think they're still operate on their own kind of logical system. So the stuff that they do, especially Otis, you can tell that there's a, um, which makes his character all the more terrifying. You can tell that he has a, there's a brain behind all that stuff and that he understands the world and he just chooses to have, to be in the world a little different. So he would be you know, almost like they call it like the, the one percenter type of personality. And then Richard Brake's character, which uh, I think his last name was Coltrane or something like that in the in the movie. So I'll just call him Coltrane. So Coltrane is, again, the same. You see that there's a lot of thought and stuff that goes on there. Whereas with Baby, I think they want the they want her character to have that. But I don't think she has that. And so. There, there were moments in the movie where you sort of saw that and you're like, oh, okay, I see what they're going for here. But, uh, and you know, I, I, I don't know. I, again, I think with her, probably less is more. You're not going to get less is more because her husband is writing and directing and producing the film. So she got a lot more screen time, I think, than what maybe the story called for or what would even maybe uh, maybe the, use the term like serve the story. So anyway, they end up, they go down to Mexico. They're going to hole up down there. Of course, there is, uh, they're in a small little town and they're kind of starting to fit in. There is a, um, one of the guys that owns this hotel. And again, this is kind of another thing that, uh, that I don't like about the movie. And I think it's a little, oh, what do we want to say? Maybe pedestrian or maybe typical for for some of zombies, how he writes characters. And one of the criticisms that I have, maybe that's even a better term, for how a lot of the characters are, it, it seems like somebody who was 14 to 16 years old kind of wrote the dialogue and wrote how these people were going to act. Because they're like, oh, wouldn't that be cool if they did this and they did that? And also the type of, well, the type of people that he casts and has in his movies, I actually do like. And that's what I was going to say. Like, On the flip side, a positive critique that I would have is that I do like that he does use a lot of people that would not be, quote unquote, you know, Hollywood ugly people. Or, you know, you don't really see anybody in a lot of Hollywood movies that just looks like a normal person. One of the things that I do like about zombies 
movies is that when he does cast them, he casts a lot of people that just like normal, they look like normal everyday people. Uh, and you can, if you go back to the, some of the spaghetti Westerns and some of the, the things of the late sixties, early seventies, a lot of those people that were big stars or even just well-known character actors wouldn't make it today just because they don't have the super pretty look that everybody seems to want now. Uh, so anyway, let's get back to the story. They, they zip down to Mexico. The proprietor of the hotel ends up calling sort of a local, I don't know what he is, like a drug lord or a cartel kind of guy, or maybe kind of a precursor to, to who that is, uh, but a local uh, kingpin, crime kingpin down there. And they're like, hey, you know, these people are here that are from that have been plastered all over the news. Well, it turns out, remember earlier we said that Danny Trejo's character got killed, that Otis had killed him. And this guy is like his, it's like his nephew or his cousin or something like that. And so of course he brings, uh, he brings his guys into town and then they have a big showdown. They end up basically killing, uh, they get, our three main characters end up getting wounded and kind of shot up, but of course they don't die. They end up killing off all the bad guys and then they kill off, um, Aquarius was his name in the movie. You would know this is another famous character actor. He was in Sons of Anarchy. He's been in Mayans and that's Emilio Rivera. And he's a guy where if you saw him, you immediately would go like, oh yeah, I know him. While we're at it, we'll maybe mention some of the the people that you would have known too. Um, There was Dee Wallace who was in there. You see several people from previous movies uh, that are sort of Bill Mosley's kind of uh, stable of actors. So a guy that played the warden, his name is Jeff Daniel Phillips. And who else was in there? There's a few other people who you would know. Like I already mentioned Clint Howard. And there were other people in there that I recognized, but I couldn't tell you their names. Uh, like I said, there was Danny Trejo, Oh, who else? There was a few other, like I said, I just, I can't remember their names right now. But anyway, doesn't really matter. So that's kind of the movie in a nutshell. Now, if we look at sort of, and a lot of times in these movies, I, I'm always kind of curious about the age of the actors. And so we're, we're actually kind of drawn to a close, close here. But if you look at the age of the actors, I think Sherry Moon Zombie is... I want to say she was about like 49 or 50 maybe when when this started. And she she looks good still, but she is starting to look her age. And I think that probably she's playing somebody who is maybe 20 years, 15 to 20 years younger. So she should at the most be in her late, the character of baby should probably be in her 30s. Uh, maybe just starting to hit 40. Bill Mosley, I think think is let me see he would have been at the time I think he was he's let me look up here he was okay so he was born in 51 so that would have made him in 19 like 60 no 68 so he would have been probably depending on when they did it he would have been 67 or 68 years old at the time probably of filming 
he looks really good for for his age. And there's a lot of shots where you have where his shirt he doesn't either have a shirt on or it's open, and he is in phenomenal shape. I uh, the more I look at that, the more I'm kind of kind of say, well, good for him. Uh, you know, and it's funny. I've always liked Bill Mosley. He was in. He's another one of those guys that's in tons of stuff, and he was in uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff, Rebo the Genetic Opera, Night of the Living Dead. He's been in Halloween, just tons and tons of stuff. A lot of the things they're not like, oh, what do we want to say? They're not. They're they're definitely low budget and definitely B movies, but he's one of those guys that has worked steadily for just years and years and years. If you go and you look at his IMD page, IMDB page, uh, I think he's worked pretty steadily since the early 80s. He's always been in like two or three things a year, so I think he's worked pretty steadily. So anyway, and it looks like, I'm going to go over his page right now, it looks like he's filming a bunch of stuff right now as well. Uh, they've got a lot of stuff announced, a lot of stuff in pre-production. Looks like he's filming a couple of things right now. But anyway, I've always, I've always kind of had a soft spot for him. Um, let's see, how old was Richard Brake? So he was born in '64, so that would put him at the time of filming. He would have been right around 54, 55, and he looks it. You know, he doesn't look like he's 42 or anything like that. So he looks his age. Uh, but again, I I think some of the characters in the movie were probably supposed to be about maybe 10 years younger than what the actor's actual ages are, you know, which is which, which can be fine. So anyway, I guess, you know, would I, let's, let's talk about recommendations. Let me know too what you guys think. Would you recommend this movie? Did you like it? Did you hate it? What did you think about kind of how the story was told. Like I said, I thought it was too long. I think that you probably easily could have cut maybe around 20 minutes off of it pretty easily and still been able to tighten up the story quite a bit and still had a good cohesive story. If you like Rob Zombie's movies, you'll like this one. If you're kind of iffy on them, you'll, uh, unfortunately, you'll sort of be iffy with it. You can kind of, I would think, be able to take it or leave it. It is interesting just to see if I were to rank the movies of the three movies. So it's, it's interesting to be able to see kind of this one, quote unquote, kind of come to a conclusion a little bit. I don't know really where else you could go with these characters. Again, the actors are getting older. Uh, Bill Mosley is probably, what, he's, he's got to be 70, 71 by now. So I don't really know how much more you could do with the Otis character that hasn't, that hasn't already been done. Same thing with Sherry Moon Zombie. You know, she is probably in her 50s now. Um, And the same thing with Richard Brake. I think he's probably, what, 57, 58, something like that probably now. So you, at some point, you can't really have them just sort of running around and doing all this other stuff. They're just, the actors themselves are just going to sort of age out. Uh, So does this bring sort of the trilogy into a satisfying ending? And for me, I would say no. I would still recommend that you go that you see it. I mean, if you can get it from a red box or watch it on one of the streaming services or something like that, it's you know it's worth four or five bucks, especially if you're if you and your friends are going to watch it, or maybe you and your spouse or something are going to watch it. 
if I could, what I would have liked to have done was maybe switch the endings from Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell. I think it would have it would have been a better ending from them maybe trying to run from the police or something, and that's how Three from Hell ends. So that you you have these characters that are horrible and despicable, and uh, I I wouldn't really even call them anti heroes. Um, but at, at some point you would say, oh, okay, they're eventually going to get overwhelmed. Eventually the cat runs out of the, the nine lives that it has, so to speak. So anyway, I think that's going to wrap it up for the show today. You know, years ago I would do a thing where I would do some recommendations on different things, different types of media that were out there, maybe different books or different types of podcasts and things like that. And I haven't done that in a long time. One of my favorite authors uh, from the from way back when and is still one of my favorite authors. I, I, I like his writing style. I like the, the universe that he's created is a guy named Scott Sigler, and you can look him up online. He's got tons of stuff. He has a series called Pandemic, which he talks about sort of like a, um, it's, it's part of an alien invasion type thing. And uh, they're very, very good. And there's three of those, three books of those. He, a lot of that stuff you can get on audiobooks. Um, he does a podcast where he, a lot of times he'll broadcast his novels. I don't know what is still available on from him on a podcast. At a certain point, you know, because he makes his living writing these books, he'll podcast them. They'll be up for a while, then he takes them down, and then you can either buy the book or you can get it in like an audiobook form. One of the things that I really, really like about the way that he sets his world is in the, in the characters that he owns, unless he's sort of maybe writing as part of an anthology for another series. What he generally does is he, well, in his books, he, he absolutely does this. So I shouldn't say generally, he keeps everything in the same universe. So if something happens in earth on the fifties and there's sort of some alien race, you could see something that happens out you know, across the galaxy and, oh, that's where that race came from, or that's where this came from. And then they have, if you were to go far back in that alien race's history, they'd say, yeah, we, you know, we had at one point, you know, we had sent ships over here, or we had done this, or we had done that, and all this other type of thing. So I'm trying to think of some other movies that I think that I've seen recently that were pretty good. We watched, they uh, were more of a documentary type style. We watched a thing called What About Pam, which is, it's got Renee Zellweger, and it's based on this lady who is uh, involved in some in a, in a murder type thing. She ends up killing her best friend. And you sort of know this from the jump. So that's not really any type of a, um, of a spoiler. They set this stuff up kind of going from the start. And I think that was on, was it on Hulu? I think it was on Hulu. And then we saw on Netflix a thing um, talking about Jimmy Savile, which was it it makes you think back, especially like I had mentioned earlier, I was sort of a kid of the 70s. And this guy was a, a dude that had been around from the 50s and he was all up, uh, up until recently, he recently died. But he was sort of seen as kind of like an oddball kind of dude, but almost sort of like a very beloved character over in England. And he was sort of, oh, what would you call it? What's that the term? Kind of like a national treasure type thing. 
And then it kind of it was slowly sort of came out that there were all these allegations that, oh, he was he liked younger girls. He liked girls that were, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. And he had been molesting, you know, kids all along and all this other stuff. And you have some people that still don't believe it. They, you know, because they because of his celebrity so it was quite interesting. If you guys, have, I would, I would definitely recommend watching it. It is a two. That one is a two-part thing, and they're about an hour, hour and a half each, something like that. So it doesn't, it doesn't take you too long to get through them. Uh, and they do a very good job of sort of documenting his rise and then what happens. But he had all sorts of. He had very, very powerful friends. He, because he was sort of this national treasure kind of guy, and he also did a ton of work for charity. And that I think is what sort of endeared him probably more than anything. He did volunteer work at hospitals. He helped get uh, certain hospitals actually built. He raised the money. He did all, you know, does all this other stuff. So anyway, that is it. So let's go ahead and call the show to a close. And if you would like to send in uh, your opinions on some of this stuff, on some of these movies, or if you've got recommendations of what you think are some good ones, I'd love to hear your opinions on even if they, even if you're hearing this six months later, I'd love to hear your opinions on the whole Rob Zombie maybe trilogy or what What do you think of him as a filmmaker or do you think there's some other guys out there that are similar that you would recommend, anything like that. You can go ahead and you can call that in at area code 206-745-2731 or you can record your own audio. I'll play it for you on the show. Or, or you can uh, send in an email and the address to send that to is thearmedape.com at gmail.com. All right, my fellow travelers and my beautiful, beautiful monkeys, I will talk to you guys, hopefully, very, very soon. 